On this episode of Movie Bites, we will be reviewing Walt Disney himself's last animated movie, The Jungle Book. Hello and welcome to Movie Bites, episode 16. My name is Clay and today I'm joined by my co-hosts Jeff and David. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Doing great. <laughs> yeah, doing great. Glad to get back into the ring with yeah, us. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we uh, we like to take our time, don't we? But mm-hmm. we'll get through it eventually one of these days. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, They're definitely we're... not making Disney movies faster than we record these. <laughs> <laughs> no. Definitely. Yet. <laughs> well, we, we're, we're starting to get into the good movies, which is making me excited, so... Hopefully we can uh, see her through. So I think I think we will. Yeah. No, we we got this. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and jump right in then. Uh, to start it off, uh, I'm going to have Jeff take it away. He's going to give us some facts and information about the movie. Yeah. So uh, the Jungle Book it was released on October 18th, 1967. It was once again directed by Wolfgang Reitherman, who is pretty much the director of the 60s and 70s for Disney. Uh, it was produced by Walt Disney, as, as previously mentioned, his last film. It was written by uh, a lot of guys. <laughs> About six different writers are credited. Uh, the music's by George Bruns and the Sherman Brothers. It stars Phil Harris, Sebastian Cabot? Cabot? I don't know, Louis or Louis Prima, George Sanders, and Sterling Holloway had a budget of four million and grossed about two hundred and five million at the box office, almost two hundred and six million, and it does have a runtime of seventy eight minutes. Wow! Wow! Those are some interesting Not facts. Very long. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, the written by thing with the six different people. Uh, this this movie did go through a lot of production changes, uh, different uh, writers, uh, different uh, lead story guys mm-hmm. uh, changed throughout. Uh, the music was originally written by one guy and then switched to the Sherman Brothers mid production. Um, so there's just a lot of uh, different moving parts here. Um, yeah, this is also one of the movies that had a larger, more well-known cast. I think Mm -hmm. Uh, from what I've, from what I've read is this was a more in line with what we would see nowadays with voice actors or uh, just famous actors in general doing voice acting for, to get, you know, big pull at the movies or whatever. Right. So, and that, that 205 million, I don't... I think that's over probably multiple yeah. releases. Uh, it, cer- it certainly would, have, would be, yeah, because it was released right. a few times. Yeah, so, all right. Well, thank you, Jeff, for doing that. Um, real quick, I've got four facts here that I'll just throw out real quick uh, that I found interesting kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. First one, uh, Walt Disney did, in fact, die during production of this film. Uh, many people wondered... Uh, what the studio's fate would be after that, uh, especially the animation division. Uh, but fortunately for us, the film did perform really well at the box office, uh, ensuring that the animators would not be out of work. Uh, although had the 
film failed, it is likely people assume that the animation might have been closed down if it hadn't performed well. So uh, this is an important movie for, for all those reasons. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there was some issues uh, in the kind of the pre-production phase. Um, it was uh, Walt Disney's lead story man and writer, Bill Peet, who had first suggested making uh, an animated version of Kipling's book, Jungle Book. Uh, Pete worked on the adaptation for over a year, but um, Di Walt Disney basically ended up not really digging what he had come up with for a screenplay. It was too dark, and he wasn't really loving it. And so I'm not sure, I don't think anyone's quite sure if Pete quit the project or if he was fired or whatnot, but there was some, some heavy disagreement going on between him and Walt, which this wasn't the first time that had happened. Previous movies, they'd had pretty big disagreements but this unfortunately was kind of the final one um which uh ended basically with a 25 year professionally uh working relationship ended uh sadly their friendship was never renewed as disney died during the film's production pete however had nothing but nice things to say about his former employee in his autobiography because what idiot would talk crap about dead walt disney <laughs> in his autobiography right so who knows they probably i'm sure he felt bad when it was all said and done yeah you, you have a falling out with somebody and then they die that that sucks so mm -hmm. i'm sure that was rough a couple other interesting things uh the vultures most people probably know this but the vultures were originally uh thought to be the idea was for the beatles to do the voices um the band's manager brian epstein approached uh Disney Studios about having the Beatles appear in the film. I don't know if that's true. I feel like it would be the other way around. Um, mm -hmm. But the Disney Disney had their animators create the vultures specifically to be voiced by them. Uh, but when the manager took the idea to the Beatles, uh, I guess specifically John Lennon is known to have been the one that was against the idea, um, telling people that Disney should hire Elvis. Or I, I think I saw one person say that John Lennon claims that he he doesn't want to be in animated movies even though he turned around did yellow submarine uh shortly <laughs> after this came out but whatever the case uh not the beatles even though some of them look and talk like the beatles um i think the the song was originally supposed to be more of the style of the beatles too and then when they vetoed out they ended up going with a more uh barbershop quartet timeless feel so there you go Last one, jazz singer Louis Armstrong was originally set to voice King Louis, but um, Louis Prima, Louis Prima, was cast instead after Walt Disney feared that the idea of Armstrong, who was African American, to play an ape would make the audience find the film racist. Um, however, the monkeys who kidnap Mowgli and deliver him to King Louis were all voiced by black actors, which was something I did notice when I was watching it. I thought mm. that was interesting. Yeah. But. I wonder if there's any validity to uh, Walt Disney actually fearing that having Armstrong voice an ape would be racist. Yeah, I don't know if he would have even... Up to this point, it didn't seem like a big problem for mm -hmm. crows or whatever else. Right, yeah, I don't know that... Maybe it was just that like Louis Armstrong was much more recognizable and the audience would make the connection more with him. Yeah, that, I mean, and the civil rights movement was, was kind of starting to take you know, gather steam at this time. So Yeah, so maybe maybe uh old Walt was a little more awoke these days. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> Could be. 
who's to say all right awesome well there's a couple things uh there's a lot more behind the scenes about this movie there's there was a lot going on so if you have a chance to look into it it's pretty interesting uh, real quick now, we're going to take uh, a brief moment here just to hit all three of us and uh, discuss any history we have with this movie, any memories or connections that we have. David, would you like to go first? Absolutely, Clay. Uh, so this is one of the films that I owned on VHS. Um, so it's one of the ones that I've probably watched the most. Um I don't remember when I first got it. Maybe it was the first first VHS release. Well, I'm not, I'm not honestly sure. Um, if, cause it, it probably wouldn't have been if it came out in the 80s, but I did not look that up. 1991. Uh, but 1991? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I probably yeah. very well had the first VHS release mm-hmm. then. Um, and um, yeah, I this one in Robin Hood, I watched a lot. But I remember too, it was kind of like, it wasn't my favorite VHS that I had. It was like the one that I watched when I was like, well, I've already watched Robin Hood yesterday or whatever, you know, mm. it was kind of like the, the one that I watched when I just was sick of all the ones I liked better. Um, and um, that's about it for me. I've seen it probably, I, I don't even know how many times because of, you know, being one of the few pieces of media I could repeatedly watch as a child. Um, that's it for me, I think. Cool. Jeff? Yeah, so this one is kind of special for me. Uh, it was one of the first movies I ever saw in theaters, um, which was the 1990 re-release. Uh, and it's so funny because it's one of my earlier memories, too, because I was about four years old. And I remember we were going to go to a movie with my cousins. So I have, like, two sisters and, and two cousins. And I, for whatever reason, thought that the name The Jungle Book sounded stupid and i don't know if it was because it had the word book in the title or if i just didn't like the jungle at the time because who knows what four-year-olds think and i just didn't want to go see this movie and my aunt tells me that there's a character named blue the bear and i thought she said blue like the color which was my favorite color still my favorite color and so because there was a character named blue i was all on board at that point so i went to the theater and watched it and Loved it, and then we got the VHS the following year when it came out, and uh, yeah, I watched it a good amount growing up. Um, not like it never was one of my favorites. Like I always enjoyed it, but it was never you know up there with Little Mermaid and Aladdin and all the the Renaissance ones for whatever reason. Just didn't quite resonate with me. But uh, yeah, it's kind of special just because it's one of the first movies I remember seeing in theaters. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, somewhat similar. At one point, I was thinking maybe I had seen this in the theater in the 90s, but then when I looked, uh, I realized I would have been like one year old at that point. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say that's probably not the case. Uh, and if I was there, I definitely wouldn't remember it. But um, I do think that I, one of my earliest memories of watching Disney movies was was this one uh probably at home or somebody's house just watching like a a 90s release on vhs so that's really the only like memory i have is just uh brief like images in my head of watching it really 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 long time ago and so um 
I, I'm sure I owned this on VHS as a kid growing up, watched it a handful of times. Um, I think more so the sing-along uh, VHSs would, would feature songs from this from time to time. And mm-hmm. so I probably had more enjoyment, just the song portions as a kid. Um, and then I've watched this movie plenty as I grew up and uh, all that good stuff. So nice. that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm still trying to, I've been like asking my mom, bugging her constantly. What was the the first movie I went and saw in the theater? And I'm like trying to get it out of her and like, she's trying to remember. And it's just like, I'm trying to figure it out. It's one of these Disney re-releases in the nineties. Interesting. uh, Hmm. We're not there yet. So anyway, (laughs) maybe I'll figure it out eventually. Um, all right. So now we are going to, Actually, before we get into our, our movie thoughts with with uh, our ideas and stuff, I figured I'd have David hit on uh, the overall visual look for this movie, the animation style, kind of maybe a little bit of what we're looking at, what we're working with. So, David, if you will, go ahead and uh, take it away. Jeff, if you have any thoughts following what he says, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I can't remember if we went into this in, in detail on the last episode, 101 Dalmatians, but this uses the uh, xenographic uh, system, um, which is essentially just scanning the uh, hand-drawn lines with a, like a really advanced Xerox machine so that they darken as if they were almost inked. Um, this one refines it a little bit more, and there's some hand-inked details also uh, to kind of touch it up, so it looks a bit less messy uh, than a 101 Dalmatian does. Um, so there's, I guess there's a scene at the end of this, um, I mean, I don't guess, I know, I know this movie. <laughs> there's a scene at the end of it with a village girl, um, and um, with the Xerox cells, but her mouth was inked by hand. Um which kind of makes her look, at least her face. I didn't know this when I was watching it. I need to go back and watch it again. <laughs> so, um, but her whole, her whole facial expressions are done with a hand inking and like kind of like the previous Disney films that um, we'd been watching, I think look better. But um, this was kind of done as a way to like save a lot of money um, and just time, just the amount of, imagine having to like ink every single sell by hand for every frame it was kind of a lot to ask um for both time and money saved Mm -hmm. um the backgrounds actually move as well um during that final scene um so it's almost like the animation quality for the final scene just like kind of kicks it up a notch which is interesting um other than that it's kind of it, it looks very similar to 101 dalmatians in a lot of ways with the kind of more sketchy xerox look um, a lot of kind of just general sort of more 2D looking, you know, shots where it's very characters standing on one ground and then a more of a 2D background. Um, any thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, um, just like little things I was noticing throughout watching it was, uh, you know, they, they did use the multiplane camera. It looks like they kind of went sparingly on it. Like you kind of said, there's a lot of points where it's just a character on a flat background. Um, where there should be depth. Um, like right now I'm kind of scanning through it and I can kind of see a few different shots. Like there's a, a tight shot of Mowgli by the water side at the end, uh, the scene you were just talking about with the girl. And, you know, in the background is like the river and then the jungle 
way beyond that, the, the, the further shore. And there's really no depth to it. Um, I was noticing just little things like that here and there. Uh, whereas there is scenes um, where like the camera's like zooming through the jungle into a, the temple or uh, other times where you'll see like uh, foliage kind of pass in the foreground. And, you know, so they, they did use it here and there. And, and it seems like the opening and closing, they did use it a little more. Um, the backgrounds are, are beautifully painted. Um, you know, kind of thinking back to some of the other ones we've done, they they remind me uh, if the, the backgrounds from Bambi a little bit, where they're very kind of impressionistic in places and kind of giving the idea that there's some foliage and jungle and stuff without going into mm. like you know fine detail. Um, I really appreciate it. And there's there's some really good uh, you know color theory mixing yeah. going on. Just nice looking jungle colors which uh, is great you know i w i will say though maybe it's just because i watched it you know in hd for the first time that i thought there was the discrepancy between like the backgrounds and like the, in the cells yeah seemed a little bit more than i remember yeah and i um, i'm not sure if that's because of the restoration or if that's kind of an issue at the time i don't i have no idea but yeah i kind of was thinking that too mm. they do pop a lot more they don't they're, they're much sharper and clearer clearer maybe just a little bit brighter yeah, color i think the, when there's a bit of noise in the picture it kind of just naturally like blends things better yeah um, where it seemed yeah but yeah a little beautiful film yeah no it totally is and and you know the like you said the, the xerox technology definitely improved over 101 dalmatians you do see those sketch lines um you know as motion's happening they kind of pop in and out or like the thickness kind of changes and you'll see like kind of the the animator finding the the central line or whatever um but definitely not as distracting as 101 and again i don't know how much of that is up to the cleanup for the hd restoration i think they tried to preserve as much as they could so um yeah i think overall it does look better clay did you have any thoughts on the visuals or the animation um not too much i mean i was one who went on record saying i do like the xerox look and so yeah. Um, I, I really like 101 Dalmatians for that reason. Mm -hmm. I like kind of the grittiness of it. And so there's some of that in here. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think this movie has some really good looking backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, and the characters look great. So, um, yeah. Overall, uh, I think it looks great. So, um, it is interesting. I don't know if this is the first one we've come across, but it does have, uh, some of that recycled animation from like mm -hmm. Sword in the Stone and uh probably right. a couple other movies I, I could look it up but uh i should have prepped on that but yeah there, there was a scene where you know mowgli's climbing something and i think it looked just like sword in the stone or, or one of the other movies that we did previously and that was you know to save money it makes sense to kind of use the same reference material and at the time there was no home media so it wasn't like somebody would easily compare it they probably hadn't seen the sword in the stone and you know however many years it had been four years at that point right <laughs> yeah and then i'm pretty sure they steal some animation from this movie moving forward too yeah right? robin hood i think uses this yeah yeah so there you go no it's worth noting though that's, that's yeah. a good point all right well i'm gonna go ahead and hit start on the movie here and then we'll uh we'll just kind of jump back and forth and uh, share any thoughts or notes we had from the movie and we'll, uh, we'll keep this thing moving. 
All right, so just to jump right in and get us started, uh, this movie does do the old uh, opening credits style uh, where we get a lot of credits up front. But the, the great thing about it is we are uh, blessed with some really good-looking um, setting of the scenes um, with some background shots, some scenic shots, I guess I should say. Um, nothing. Well, I guess there is some movement, some foreground, background mm-hmm. going on. Uh, slightly, um, and I, I think some of these shots they end up using in the movie later on. Interesting, but yeah. I don't like for the transitions, but yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, like the uh, at the very end of the credits, there's a uh, like a, a moon reflecting in the water, and that one's definitely got some multiplane going on. Mm-hmm. That shot I remember seeing in the movie later on. Okay, uh, and it turns to, to nightfall and Mowgli goes to sleep or whatever. So. But just some really good-looking opening shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they did a good job. If they're going to throw us uh, a bunch of names up front, they can at least help set the scene for where we're at and what, what we're working with. So uh, I, I made note of that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, the main notes I had on the opening was, was the multiplane as they zoom in on the temple and stuff, which I mentioned earlier. And, um, yeah, the, the water effects, interestingly, with the moonshot, are present there, but not present at other points in the movie when they show water, like the ending. Hmm. So, it's right. interesting. I love when you pick up on that stuff, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it. about the water, man. <laughs> water Speaking of which, the, the first shot after the credits they show, this waterfall that looks like it was probably filmed dry ice, looking at it, but hard to say. Uh, and then the, yeah. uh, the river water effects in the following scene look really smooth. I thought they did a great job with that, technically. Yeah, that waterfall's a little gassy looking. Right? A little, uh, Looks like they probably filmed dry ice on a black screen and then just overlaid it. Which, I mean, works. looks great for animation. Yeah. Um, it didn't take very long uh, into this movie before I was like, man, Bagheera's voice sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. And... You don't notice it as much when he's just talking, but when he starts yelling, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I know that voice. Um, yeah, obviously the, uh, he's a, he's the a, guy from a famous, Sword in the Stone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the what I kind of put it to. Uh, Sir Ector is Sir Ector, yeah. The, the, the mustachio guy. We'll um, let the boy try. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's interesting because Bagheera, when he talks normal, he sounds a little more... Um, sophisticated and mm-hmm. a little more proper but then when he starts yelling I'm like no nope, that's the same guy yeah so yeah, yeah good pick up I think he also does a narration for some of the Winnie the Pooh movies as well oh but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah not surprised there's so much overlap of voice talent in these sort of this sort of area yeah like mid 50s oh, yeah. to late 70s just kind of kind of had their core Which, groups since we're in that, I might as well hit on one thing here. Um, Sterling Holloway, who does the voice of Ka, mm-hmm. I had made note of it. Just, uh, I know we've talked about him on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, this dude has been with us since Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the um, the stork, the bird. Yeah, the, yeah, the stork. Uh, that was all the way back in 1941, and uh, this guy kept working, uh, doing voiceovers. And, and narrations on a bunch of different Disney animated movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think up until... He was doing Pooh up until the 70s. Yeah, um, up until that, the... Uh, I, I 
feel like maybe I'm thinking of Tigger, but yeah, up until that, the animated show that was on when we were kids, like in the '80s, the the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, uh, mm-hmm. or yeah, no, that's the movie. I'm not. Sh- but I'm trying to think if that was if he did those because he passed away in '92. Okay. So I just remember there was some overlap with him and Jim Cummings and. Uh, gotcha. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. No, he's, yeah, no, no, I just thought it was great. good. I, he's, I mean, he does a lot of. Uh, he's going to be in the Aristocats. Mm-hmm. He was uh, a Cheshire Cat. He was Flower. Cheshire Cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's he's one of the one of the OGs. Mm-hmm. He's one of the goats. Yeah, he has such a distinct voice. All right, what else we got? Let's see. I will say that I just felt like the whole uh, from from my memory because I'm this is like the first time I've seen it in so long. Um, is I remember I didn't remember the intro being so fast paced and how quick just everything got started. Um, yeah, yeah. I I remember it kind of feeling to drag a bit as a kid, but like now when I'm watching it, just everything just seems to get along. Like all of a sudden, you know, the <laughs> yeah, you kind of just the panther and the kid are off together, then, yeah. trying to get to the man village. And I was like, I thought, I swear that that was like a good like half hour before that even happened. Because <laughs> <But laughs> yeah, the the whole the meeting of the wolves to to decide, you know, Shere Khan's coming back. We need to get Mowgli to the man village. That happens at like six minutes into the movie. <laughs> Yeah. So he's already grown up. He's already played with the wolves. It's already time to go. Yeah, it just felt like yeah, it just felt like it just happened instantly. I'm surprised, you know, and I I, I don't think I've ever read the book. I might have read it when I was little, but um, I'm surprised they didn't try to do more to establish Mowgli as a character. You know, before this point, show him interacting with the wolves as a family a little more. Like they showed that he, you know, he was brought in as an infant and then. They cut to him as however old he is here, 10, 12. And, uh, you know, the dogs all love him and all that. But they don't really, I don't know, it would have been nice to see, like, a day in the life and going out on an adventure, mm-hmm. something like that to establish the character a little bit. Yeah, because usually with Disney movies, uh, I mean, obviously this is, this does have music in it, but usually mm-hmm. um, you start off with uh, the main character kind of singing a song about what they want yeah. from life or what yeah. what, the, what their goal is or who they are and kind of helps establish that would have been what really the good. character's drive is. Yeah, yeah we just don't so. really get that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, and it is weird kind of talking about the music. Like, there is really just, what, like three songs or whatever, and one of them's terrible. <laughs> 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 or short or, you know. But, um, yeah, it doesn't... It almost kind of feels like the songs were an afterthought, and you're talking about how the Sherman Brothers were kind of brought in later, you know, and it wasn't built around being a musical, it seems like. It just kind of, they felt like they maybe needed to include songs because it was a Disney movie. I don't know. Right. But. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think just the front end, there's a little missing. I mean, all of a sudden, Mowgli doesn't want to go, but we don't really know why. Yeah. So. Like, we get that, okay, yeah, it's all he's ever known is, you know, growing up with the wolves, okay, we'll give him that, but, you know, what? A, why, maybe he loves the place, you know, he's attached, he's got a, an emotional connection to the jungle, or to 
the den. I don't know. It would have been nice to have right. some I think that kind of would have added some weight to his, like, decision at the end to, like, go to the girl, too. And he's, like, li- li- like you know, if it felt more like he was leaving something that, like, really meant to him. Being mm-hmm. just, like, they just, like, shrugs. And he's like, eh. Yep. Well, yeah. And it, okay. And I guess that was a big point of contention on uh, in the studio is the girl at the end was like I guess Walt's idea because uh, they needed a motivation for him to want to mm-hmm. actually go, and so that's what they came up with. But I guess some of the animators and writers weren't super like on board with that. Like they thought they didn't really dig that, and so interesting. I, I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from, where it's like, but they had to do something. They had to there there had to be some kind of motivation. So. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm. I, I personally kind of agree with the animators. I think it could have been way better done. It, it, like, I don't know. I had, a, I had a hard time buying that he'd want to. You just see some girl, then immediately just wants to go and live in a village. Yeah, he got he got Twitter pated. <laughs> Twitter pated. But yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, I, I think they could have done a little more to, to show. You know, oh yeah, maybe living with man isn't so bad after all. But boiled down to, I see girl, I follow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like, I think I would have been fine with the girl if there was some, like, development between the two. Like, if we're an actual friendship. Not that yeah. Just, like, I like girl. You know, That's and, a good and then point, realize, too. And like, hey, there's certain things that I can only do with my with my species. And, and you know, and t- sort of him starting to feel like these are the people I belong with. And there, there could have been some kind of, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit more there than just he sees girl. I think <laughs> would have had to change the pacing of the movie. But, yeah, I think they could have done something where you know he rescues her or she rescues him i think it'd make more i don't know which one would make more sense i'd have to <laughs> workshop that a little bit but no um yeah i think i think yeah the ending's a little weak and i know we're jumping way ahead but i don't i don't know my, the way my <laughs> notes are more general i don't you know i don't have a lot of like individual like oh this specific thing caught my eye or this thing it's just kind of like you know the, the pacing, the characters, you know, about 10 minutes in, we meet Ka and he tries to, you know, hypnotize and, and eat Mowgli. And, uh, you know, Bagheera comes and saves him. And so I, I thought that was nice where it shows, you know, Bagheera's really looking out for him and um, Ka's kind of this weird bad guy, but not bad, bad. It's, it's interesting. Um, right. He was always my favorite character when I was a kid, and I think he still is. He's really. <laughs> it's pretty great, but that's that's interesting. Blue is for sure my favorite <laughs> in this one, but I feel like that's kind of almost a a safe answer because I think he's supposed right. to be the most lovable. But uh, yeah, that goes back to my my childhood story of liking the color blue. <laughs> Good old blue. blue balloon. He had to be my he had to be my favorite. It's inevitable. <laughs> Um, one thing I really appreciated about this movie and a couple others from this era uh, is how jazzy this movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They, as we mentioned earlier, they they got like multiple uh, jazz singers to be in this movie. In fact, uh, one thing I saw was the uh, the voice of Baloo, Phil Harris, mm-hmm. hadn't done any voice acting up to this point. Oh wow. Um, Okay. And so he was kind of brought in fresh and um, 
was just a jazz guy. And I think, I guess for whatever reason, Walt was the one who was like, felt like he could, he could do it or whatever. And so, um, he auditioned and, and took a little bit of proving himself, but, um, kind of showed that he could do it. And I see he, he, he didn't do any voice acting. It looks like he had a radio career, okay. um, with some different things. So I don't think he was like completely novice to it all, but mm-hmm. as far as like doing voice lines for a movie, I think this was like his first one, but, um, I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. We're watching this movie about uh, the jungle and presumably somewhere in India mm-hmm. and or or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And we've got monkeys and, and bears singing and scatting and doing like these yeah. jazz numbers. That's interesting. It's like, it's real funky, but yeah. it works really well. Absolutely. Like, um, they could have done like very, um, I don't know the words for these, but the music could have been very true to the location mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and there are aspects of that. Like, I think Trust in Me's got some, like, percussion that seems a little more um, in the style of with some Indian uh, instrumentation to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of interwoven in, but it's just this really wild ride of, of jazz mixed in with uh, an Indian setting. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of bizarre if you think about it too much, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but it works. And... Um, this one and then the Aristocats also coming up is like mm-hmm. super jazzy Very. And, and I know that that music obviously was popular at the time and stuff mm-hmm. so it, it just works really well I think it's really cool uh, the voice actors they got to do these things um, it just worked really well and I think Phil Harris I think I also saw that he was reading the lines for Blue and he's like none of this sounds right this feels wrong to me mm-hmm. and they're like well just say it how you would say it and so he did and nice. so a lot of it, it was him reading the script and then kind of uh, more or less saying it the way that he felt like a cool person would say it. And so, nice. I don't know, I just, I, I love that about it. I think it gives it a lot of more extra personality that this movie wouldn't have it otherwise, so. Yeah, I agree with that. It's good. It's a good uh, assessment of it. Um, Shere Khan. I think is a bit of an underrated villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't get, he doesn't get a lot of representation in the uh, Disney villain realm. That's I feel like really good point. Yeah, he's kind of like Scar, but yet yeah, Scar gets lots of representation. And Shere Khan doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Shere Khan. Go ahead, David. Um, I was just gonna comment. I don't know if you guys. I didn't look this up. Do you guys know who voices him? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I can pull it up real quick. Let me yeah. see. I think I it, it's just because I remember um, as a kid, I used to think that I recognized the voice. So it's, um, I don't think he, I, I think I may have looked it up way back when and realized it, I think I was just, you know, recognizing a British accent of a certain type and thinking it was the same person. Uh, but I remember hearing that voice in other cartoons and thinking it was like, oh, I, I've heard that. I've heard that voice before. Hmm. So it's uh, George Sanders um, kind of just going through his like most popular filmography he was mr freeze in the two-part episode of the 1966 batman uh (laughs) but no i don't uh don't really see anything else i recognize i i think it was me just recognizing similar accents because he definitely has a very um 
kind of posh British accent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Than what you'd hear in other cartoons. I think I just hadn't heard that before. So every time I would hear someone with that accent, it's like, oh, it's Shere Khan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a very long filmography, but like scrolling through it, I don't really recognize much. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I read that they did animate uh, Shere Khan kind of based on, around his mannerisms and his look. Nice. Um, Welcome to that. But yeah, I, he just—he's like a very proper dude. He's always mm -hmm. like checking his nails, and mm -hmm. um, the the movie does a good job of talking a lot about Shere Khan before he even shows up. Yeah, they and really so, build him up. And so he, when and he, he does delivers. show up, it's like, yeah, he's he's awesome. And yeah, he doesn't he doesn't even roll in until forty seven minutes into the film. So yeah, like, I was really surprised. It takes a while before you see that. I was I kind of was seen that too because that's basically the halfway point of the movie and that's crazy to not have your villain show up until that late but because they talked about him and because he was this like lurking presence and kind of the the ticking time bomb motivation so to speak for them to get Mowgli out of the jungle um it, it worked and like you said like you know the way he's proper and you know composed but just has that booming voice and, and so proper and it's just yeah, no, it's you, um, now I really want Shere Khan stuff like in the Disney parks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Put him in Fantasmic. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but since we're talking about Shere Khan, mm -hmm. at one point he he shows up after the uh, song "That's What Friends Are For," and he and he kind of sings like the last note, and he goes to this really really low note. Mm -hmm. um, I looked it up. Apparently, he doesn't. George Sanders doesn't actually sing that part. Oh, okay. Um, it's somebody else, but I I still love that part. I just think it's really cool that he like can sing this super duper low note. Mm -hmm. um, it's like kind of spooky and also kind of cool, and uh, it was just kind of an interesting thing for him to just show up and it's like a power move or something. Like look how low I can sing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we can go ahead and talk, oh. talk about, sorry, Jeff, no, uh, the music real quick, yeah. uh, the songs, I guess I should say, um, there's, there's a number of them. Um, the only one that wasn't written by the Sherman brothers was the bare necessities. That was a song that was, uh, written by the other guy. I forget his name right now. Uh, in the original, um, kind of iteration of the movie, it was one of the only things that didn't get scrapped after that guy was quit slash fired or whatever mm -hmm. uh they kept they kept the bare necessities thankfully so that move that song did uh obviously go, go on to be i think the number one song from this movie um probably followed shortly by um i want to be like you yeah want to be like you thank you mm -hmm. uh, i don't know what do you guys think what uh jeff you mentioned there's one song that really sucks i think i think i know which one you're talking about uh what, yeah, what are you guys thoughts on that song yeah just in me it's just yeah. yeah um really you don't you don't like a singing snake <laughs> i mean it's just so boring it's very i liked boring. the whole I, I liked the whole segment i thought it was it's it, it's i don't know i thought it was one of my favorite bits <laughs> and the song itself you hear basically on the song's merits but i just i just love watching that i, just I mean love watching the snake do stuff yeah because i thought the song worked for the scene okay that's fair I think I think yeah. In that regard, it, it's fine, but it is just kind of pacing wise a little slow. Um, 
But no, yeah, as far as the, the rest of the music, like, I actually didn't realize the Sherman Brothers didn't do uh, Bare Necessities, because I just, you know, it's such an, a quintessential song of this movie, and I just associate them with this movie, so that's, uh, right? that's an interesting it's, tidbit. It's super weird, because it feels like something they it, totally would have yeah. written. It, it really does. It really has a Sherman Brothers feel to it. Did they did they take did somebody else write it and they kind of composed and arranged it do you know or because it just seems yeah, I'm not like sure. it fits their their style a lot so I don't right know. i i noticed in the opening credits it's credited to the other guy okay um, yeah you're specifically. right specifically yeah 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 so um but who knows you 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 might be right for all we know he wrote the lyrics and the melody or something and yeah. then Sherman Brothers came in and, and pepped it up. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, That's a good sure. question. Hmm. Um, the uh, Colonel Hades March, yes. uh, the elephant song, <laughs> is, is it's actually kind of an underrated song if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, I always like that. Uh, as a kid, I loved it. Like my, we used to march around our house. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I loved it's it. catchy and like kids for whatever reason. I think it just resonates with them. And I, I try to so, walk on all fours like Mowgli, like standing all fours. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Now, I actually, speaking of that scene, I always like that scene just because, you know, and, and as we approach this more as critics than just kids watching a Disney movie, like, I like that it shows, you know, it's Mowgli's, basically his first time outside of his wolf den and kind of seeing how elephants work together as a family unit. unit. And, you know, I like that he's sort of curious and, and trying to fit in and assimilate with them. And, you know, maybe that is good foreshadow of his character that yeah he can he can assimilate he can he's still trying to figure out where he belongs i you know that might be a stretch <laughs> they may not have even been going for that but um i i always just enjoyed that he, you know, he bonded with the little baby elephant and uh it, you know it's kind of reminds me a little bit of the one from uh tarzan doesn't quite fit in with the bigger ones yet kind of doing his own right thing. Um, making friends with everybody yeah just very happy-go-lucky he's he knows what he's supposed to be doing but he also is just kind of happy to have a new friend yeah yeah um so let's see i'm trying to think through here um i i was curious what you guys think about the overall pacing of this movie um I have I have a few thoughts, but I was just curious what you guys think. I yeah, I'll kind of go a little bit back to what I said before about how it seemed a lot quicker than I remember. Um, which is, it's only an hour and what, like an hour and twenty minutes, hour and eighteen minutes total. Um, yeah. But when I was younger, I thought it was really kind of slow. And Same. For the reasons I don't think I liked it as much. Same. Um, but watching it as adult it feels almost like on fast forward though i meant that a lot of the stuff isn't super that happens is isn't super plot related it's kind of just like an intro a bunch of unrelated things happen and then it goes right from like the first act almost into the third act it's almost like the film doesn't have a second act it's just kind of yeah. like random stuff happening yeah it's uh I, I pretty much agree with all of that. I kind of always thought it was a little slow moving as a kid. And even 
the last time I watched it as an adult, which would have been about 10 years ago, um, I still thought that it was a little slow. Like, it just dragged on a bit. You know, it wasn't the whole thing, because like we said, like the beginning part, it just kind of gets going right away. And then there's just moments, I feel like, where it kind of like, okay, get on with it, you know, and, you know, it's, I don't know, there was certain things that, you know, it's the, the songs go by quick and they're entertaining and like the, uh, the bare, bare necessities and I want to be like you were both uh, you know, good classic songs. Um yeah. But then, I don't know, I feel like there's like this part in the middle where there's a lot of discussion between Blue and Bagheera and it's just, as a kid, I think maybe I just didn't understand what was happening or understand the weight of, you know, what these two characters both, you know, feel almost parental to Mowgli, you know, and Bagheera knows that he needs to do the right thing. He needs to get him to the man village to save him. Whereas Blue is kind of like, you know, the hippie, happy-go-lucky, like, eh, things will work out, but, you know, we don't have to worry. Um, and there's, you know, it's an interesting dynamic of character that I just didn't appreciate as a kid, so I thought it was boring. Um, so, yeah, right. that's that's kind of <laughs> my, my take on it. Gotcha. Yeah, literally the best two songs in the movie happen in the front half mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's it's after uh, i want to be like you point. where i feel like it kind of starts to slow down for me mm -hmm. uh, i felt like the pacing was great up to that point um then when when mowgli wakes up after that day he runs off because blue tells him he has to go back mm -hmm. then we see a scene with Sher khan where, where he's overhearing um the elephants talking to bagheera so it's just a lot of like we finally get to see the villain, but he's like eavesdropping on a conversation. Mm -hmm. Then there's the whole trust in me segment, which is really boring. Mm -hmm. um, but then Sher Khan and Ka do get to interact. That that scene I do think is actually pretty good. Yeah, um, it's fun to see those two interacting together. And then after that, it's basically into the no vultures uh, song, which is I think just kind of a okay song. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely not the Beatles. Not not the Sherman's <laughs> strongest. Yeah, not the, uh, not, yeah. The, not their best, not the Beatles. It's just yeah. there. <laughs> uh, and then Blue and them all they, they fight Shere Khan there at the end, and, and that that part's you know okay, pretty good, and then mm -hmm. the handoff and all that. So I don't know. There, there's just a lot of scenes toward the end there where it's just I'm it's not the most interesting yeah. uh, parts, and so I, I feel like it kind of drags in the second half personally. But yeah. I remember, I remember uh, thinking that that final scene—not the final scene, but that Shere Khan showdown—definitely was scary to me as a kid. It's it's very intense. Oh know, yeah, like the... that was actually another thing I was gonna bring up. Okay, yeah. Was, um, I thought it was way more like like the part where like Shere Khan goes off to Baloo. Mm -hmm. I remember that being like really violent as a kid. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, they show him hitting him like once. Yeah. <laughs> but it but it feels so intense, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and and the mood and the color palette here is just very dark and and you know dark greens and yellows, thing you know just completely different from the rest of the movie, and it it really sets the the tone, you know. And then the fire and the, the tree and tying the the fire to his tail, and it's like, oh my god, this is intense. But uh, you know, 
Just like the Lion King, as soon as all the bad stuff is over with, the rain comes, puts out the fire, everything's okay. And we think Blue's dead. That's a really scary Mufasa-like moment, and then he's okay. So then it's yeah, right. no stakes. Yeah, they tricked us. <laughs> well, it definitely has never happened in a Disney. Mm-hmm. No. They would never. <laughs> kind of curious if there's any, outside of Mufasa, if there's ever been like a time when like the character is dead and someone's crying and he actually is dead. <laughs> but like Mufasa is the only one I can think of. That, that happened mm, uh bambi's mom oh that's true <laughs> but yeah yeah but those deaths always happen like like at the beginning set up, or midway yeah. through the movie it's never like at the end yeah no this is right before the final like scene a lady in the tramp and then they just show the dog come back with like crutches in the, in the next oh, scene yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well uh any other notes or thoughts before we uh get into our final thoughts and our rating one out of tens any thoughts no right. I, I think i kind of covered all the all the notes i had yeah i mean we could get deeper into some of the stuff but mm-hmm. i think we've kind of hit on a lot of it i mean yeah there's some obvious things. There's some really good music in here. There's some really good voice acting and character development. Or maybe not character development, but uh, they, they do a great job in this movie of making you love the characters. Yeah. Even the ones who are, like, quote-unquote bad. Mm-hmm. Like they, they do a great job of helping you. Yep. Helping you out, so. And helping you feel connected to the characters really fast with little to no background and all that. So, like, with Blue, you know very quickly that he's kind of a uh, lazy and the way Big Era kind of like, oh no, this this guy mm-hmm. or whatever. Like he's kind of got a reputation just the way in the jungle. He talks. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you, you kind of figure out who they are real fast. Yep. All right, so let's go ahead and hit our uh, ratings. Uh, we do a one to 10 here. Uh, scale so one being uh, the worst thing you've ever seen, ten being uh, a perfect movie. So uh, we'll we'll go around the table here and hit our final thoughts overall, what you're thinking, and then uh, with your rating. So who wants to go first? I will. All right, go ahead, Jeff. Okay, so I I do really like this movie. I enjoyed it this time again more than any time I've watched it previously I think just because you know I'm much older and have a different perspective on life in the world and just you know wanting to see a kid get to safety versus a kid wanting to be free and, and live his adventurous life in the jungle it's like no kid you're gonna get eaten by a tiger get to the man village whereas you know when I was a kid I was like no let Mowgli do what he wants um <laughs> It's a beautiful movie. It's got absolutely beautiful paintings for the background. It's got great animation, uh, great character design all around. I don't think there's any characters I didn't find appealing. Um, Great voice cast, as we talked about. Uh, Good music in general, you know, and like, you know, we talked a bit about the songs, but like the score in general, I think feels very appropriate for the setting. with the instrumentation and, and the composition. Uh, so, you know, all the elements are there in the movie itself. I think we, you know, lacks great motivations, lacks great 
deep character development or anything like that. But like, as a, you know, this is a kind of a buddy duo comedy with Bagheera and Baloo, but you know, a little bit of a uh, adventure. What do, I don't know what you call the the trope where it's the point of the movie is to get from point A to point Z with all the crap that happens in the middle. Um, overall, I, I don't have many faults with it, except maybe the later half pacing. Um, but it also is not, still not like an all-time classic for me. It's just not quite like, you know, it's not amazing. It's just, it's good. And so with that and all that, I... I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. All yeah. right. Thank you, Jeff. All right, David, w- what are your thoughts? Okay. Yeah, this is definitely a hard one to give a rating to because on one hand I have like an incredible amount of nostalgia for the film because of how many times I watched it on VHS. But on the other hand, I also never really like loved it that much. So I have a little bit of like a con- all that sort of swirling around, and then add on this sort of most recent viewing where, like Chef, I enjoyed it the most that I've ever enjoyed it in my life, where I always kind of found it being kind of, you know, a little bit boring. The animation just seemed worse than every other Disney movie I had on VHS. Um, but it is, honestly, animation is way better than I remember it. Story's way better than I remember it. Pacing's way better than I remember it. And pretty much everything about this movie is better than I remember it. Um, but also to kind of reiterate what Jeff said, it is, it's, it's, there's nothing overtly wrong with it other than I think the mid of the movie, there's just kind of like a lot of random things that happen. And you could probably like delete a bunch of that and then the plot would still make sense. Um, not that you should do that, but it felt like the time how the time was spent in this movie could have been done better like there could have been more at the end to give weight to his decision to leave and more at the beginning to show his relationships with the jungle Mm -hmm. and those two parts kind of felt shrunk in order to have just sort of a bunch of random funny sequences that really do little to advance plot or character Um, that being said I still just enjoyed it it reminded me of me watching it as a kid and that made me happy Mm. so it's like how do you put a number to that (laughs) but i feel like uh i feel like seven is fair nice Um, just looking at two what i also ranked it it feels like this should be about a seven very good all right nice what about you Um, mr clay yeah so it's interesting i was reading a little bit uh about this movie and kind of the reception and um, kind of the way it's it's remembered throughout time and uh, something I was reading that I thought was kind of interesting is somebody had pointed out that this movie was uh, in in a certain way um, a very uh, influential movie uh, back in the day. Uh, obviously, this was pre uh, the uh, Renaissance era, and so. For uh, for a lot of people at the time, this was one of one of the best uh, in a lot of people's minds. Uh, a movie that uh, left a lot of influence on people, and so obviously there were better movies to come. Um, but at the time, this movie was was a big deal. It had a lot of big actors, and the animation was on point. And so there was a lot of 
a lot of people who view this as one of the all-time classics. I don't think I'm one of those people. Obviously, over time, you know, they figure out how to do things better and tell stories better, and so things change. Um, before I hit all my final thoughts here real quick, I, I guess I had one last question for you guys. Usually in a movie, uh, you try to have an overarching um lesson to be learned what is the message usually a movie is trying to help teach you something or trying to say something so i'm trying to figure out what is this movie saying do either of you have any thoughts on this what what is the what is the the overarching point or plot or not plot uh, overarching message. like lesson to be learned with this yeah. movie? what's the message that's an interesting i haven't really given it any thought but i you know my my knee-jerk reaction is the the message is um, to, gosh, I, I, to stay with your people, like yeah, that's that's where I was leaning towards. And as I was thinking it, yeah. I was like, man, is that really what the message is? Like, you don't belong <laughs> yeah. where you don't belong, so you need to, you know, home sweet home is the place for you. Mm-hmm. I know. I was kind of thinking about that too. As soon as you asked that question, is that is? I mean, in this sort of world of anthropomorphized animals, where they're essentially like just people, yeah. it's it's much more. It's almost much more like they're just different races and cultures, yeah. which kind of makes the the message even more problematic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, just something I was thinking through. It's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean. Maybe there's not always a very clear message. I mean, I just... Um, overall, I, the plot is a little too simple for me. I think it could use a little more. Uh, I think they, they created some really good characters in this movie. Uh, they have their segment, and then you never really see them again. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have been cool if King Louis showed up at the end and helped fight off you know, mm-hmm. Shere Khan or something. Um, it, just, it was a little more like, here's a segment, here's a segment. Yeah. Here's a thing. Here's a thing. As we were doing our final thoughts, and after I'd given my final thoughts on my review, I actually had another final thought um, that you could sort of compare very loosely this movie with Moana, where it's a it's the story of a journey from point A to point Z or whatever. And you know, if you think about if you break down the scenes in Moana, it's it you kind of have the same problem in certain places, like the little coconut people, like. They, they do absolutely nothing for that movie as far as any relevance and they don't come <laughs> back later. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, and and uh, the big crab guy, the little crab, uh, that, that whole realm yeah. down the volcano or whatever. So, like, it's, it's similarly structured, but again, as we kind of talked about, they set her up way better at the beginning of that movie. They give her an I Want song. They show her daily life. They show that she wants to adventure. They, they do all the stuff, you know, the you know the Beauty and the Beast thing, the the, the Sherman brother classic. Uh, I want, and then you know yep. they they wrap it up with her, you know, figuring out what needs to happen or whatever. So again, they they wrap it up in a meaningful way. She went on the journey, she grew, and then you know everything progresses forward. So I, I think they they took that same formula of this movie and then did it correctly. And there's probably other ones. Um, but that was kind of the one that popped into my head as we were talking about it. I was like, okay, it's, there, there are some similarities in, in story, and yet Moana feels so much more complete as a story, so much tighter. Um, and so it was interesting to kind of just have that comparison in my head, something 
the last time I watched this movie, Moana wasn't out. So, yeah. No, that's a good. That's a good point. I like that. Also, one very very random thing I just saw here on Wikipedia. Do you know who did the voice for the little elephant? I do not. Clint Howard. Do you guys know him? Why is that name? By name. So he's he's Ron Howard's little brother, who's in all of Ron Howard's movies. He's kind of like bald and goofy oh, yeah, looking. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's the radar operator mm-hmm. in Austin Powers, and he's uh, the mayor's assistant yep. in The Grinch. Yeah, it's that guy. The Grinch. Oh, wow. yeah. The the redneck. Okay. Yeah, the yeah, redneck yeah. guy and the water boy, the fan. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I that's can't right. believe that because he was he was real young. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. <laughs> Fun fact. Uh, <laughs> so to wrap it up for me, uh, a little slow, simple plot, great characters, great soundtrack, some good songs, some not so good songs. I was between a seven or an eight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the cool kids and do a seven out of ten. Nice. Seven across the board. It's a very average movie. <laughs> it's the best <laughs> average movie I've seen. Yeah. Um, we're, we're obviously being a little hard on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at it uh, overall. It, it's still a great movie. Uh, yeah, definitely agree. Obviously, a lot of people have great memories with it, and I think we all do too. And so, mm-hmm. uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's there's nothing wrong with it. We're just we're being I think a, a, a tad bit more. Uh, we're really looking closely at it and ripping it apart more or less. Totally. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think the live action uh remake of this was one of the best li- uh, i say live action but the yeah it has some live action yeah but the remake that that more recently came out i think was one of the better ones i don't know if they yeah, necessarily I, I don't know if they necessarily like improved upon it but i feel like they did a pretty good job of of capturing it oh, i still haven't seen that so i should probably watch that <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's uh it was one of the first that i ever watched of the remakes and i was like oh i like what they're doing here and then, unfortunately, I don't know if it really got any better than that. Yeah, they, they've gotten worse since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A quick fun fact, though. This is the first time we've all been in agreement on this Interesting. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, a, fun that's fact. a fun fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. nice. We are united. 777. Hmm. Well, that makes that easy. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, our next episode is going to be the Aristocats which I'm excited about Um, I think we're going to try to record uh, next week for this one and see if we can uh, keep her moving as they say so look forward to that Um, but yeah we just hit over an hour here so I think we're good to wrap it up and uh, you guys got anything else you want to say before we finish recording nah good to be back though nah yeah see how many of these we can do before we wait a new year (laughs) sounds like a plan alright if you're still listening thanks for sticking with us and we'll see you next time here on Movie Bites bye y'all bye y'all